you know, what I want to know is, is how, how does one get involved in doing rock work as a woman? Do you really, really want to know? Or do you just want the rehearsed response that I always give? What would happen if we chose to really tell the truth about ourselves? Like if we really, really just told the real truth of our lives. I'm not saying that it's true. I'm saying that it's my truth. You're listening to him. As the pandemic began to rage on, it was August of 2020, and one thing that I had done during that time was I'd been on, on the lookout for a rowing machine because I couldn't go to yoga, and, you know, I lived in this house where I, I couldn't work in the yard. I didn't have, you know, I just needed to do something exercise oriented or yoga oriented and I had kind of researched these rowing machines these water rowers and they work 88% of your muscles and you know yoga usually is around 98% so I was like yeah that's close but I'd been looking and looking at I'd gone around to some places and there was nothing there was no inventory and I didn't realize that People had started building these home gyms because they couldn't go to the gym anymore. And so they were buying all the inventory from like Dick's Sporting Goods or any of these like, you know, uh, sporting equipment, used equipment places. There was nothing. And so I started looking online and I started looking at these different uh, types of water rowers. And, you know, marketing has a lot to do with stuff, you know, but this one particular one I noticed, I had read reviews and so I had kind of narrowed it down to this, this Viking water rower and they're made in Canada. And I got in touch with the company and they were like, yeah, it's going to take like probably eight weeks or so, maybe longer to get it. And I thought, well, you know, I might as well just bite the bullet. And so it was around 1200 bucks. And I just, I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I thought I've got to do something. So I ordered this machine and I'd been waiting for it. And so Harrison and I had continued on with this job at Doggett Mountain and and then uh, he had to go on back. But before he left, I had told him about the harmonic egg. And he was really intrigued by it. He was kind of like, really? Like, I want to go. And I'm like, really? And I thought it'd be kind of fun, you know, just to take him. Because he's very open. And he's very um, open-minded. And so one day, uh, well, actually during the week, my low back and my hip were so out of alignment. I mean, I was getting in some severe pain. 
and I didn't have a chiropractor appointment that week because I had failed to make the appointment. You know, you get so caught up and the weeks just fly by because this work was just piling up. I mean, there were people calling me from all over the place and I was... I was kind of overwhelmed, but I was just making a list. I'm like, look, you know, I'll put you on the list. And so I made an appointment for, for Harrison and I to go to the Harmonic Egg. And I had called this guy, Steve. I said, is it okay if I bring my nephew? And he was like, sure. And so by the time we finished work, it was probably 6 o'clock. And we were going to be over there, I think, at 7, 7.30. And I could barely walk to get into my truck. And I did not want my nephew to know how bad I was hurting, but I was in really severe pain and muscle spasm, and it was my left hip, and I just couldn't understand, like, what did I do? But we'd been using that huge saw. We were lifting these slabs and moving stuff. I mean, it was a very hard job. And so we got to the harmonic egg, and it's out there in nowhere, and, you know, and uh, and so... Harrison went first and so he he went in and had a session with Steve and then he got an egg and and when he came out you know it was going to be my turn and he kind of looked at me and smiled and I said we'll talk and then so I got in there and Steve's like you know what do you want to work on and I just said pain and he laughed and I go no seriously I said I am in excruciating pain and we sat and I sat in a chair and we did some breathing and he kind of did this little guided uh, kind of a guided meditation with me, and I really like this man because he doesn't force anything on you. He just sort of, he just opens the door, you know, and, and if you want to work, it's there. If you want to just get an egg not talk, you can do that too, but it was like, okay, I'm, I want the full deal here. I want the full package, but so he gets me into the egg, and helps me to lay back because I'm really, it's very hard to put any pressure on my left hip. So I get in this chair and he fixes it and shuts the door and the, the session starts and I immediately go somewhere. I don't know where I go when I go in there. It's not, I don't go to sleep. It's the more I go, the deeper I go and the quicker I go. And I just kind of free flow with my thoughts and try not to hang on to any particular thought. You just let them flow. And it's amazing. It's sort of like tripping on acid because I start seeing so many different scenarios and people, places and things. It just flashes through my mind and it's, it's very interesting. So the session's over, ding, 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 and he's outside the door. And I'm thinking, God, that went by fast. And he opens up the door, you know, like I said, it's sort of like a DeLorean car, you know, it's like it lifts, the door lifts up and unseals. And so he comes and he kind of adjusts the chair and he starts helping me. And when he goes to, to take my hand to help me stand up, I get ready because I'm bracing myself. And when I stand up, I have no pain. The pain is completely gone from my hip and from my low back. No kidding. I looked at him and I said, what in the world? And he goes, what? And he kind of laughs and I said, I don't have any pain. 
it's gone. He goes, good, good. And, and he was taking it like real nonchalant. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have never in my life gone to a chiropractor, a massage therapist, anybody, acupuncturist. I have done all of it. And I have never gone to a session in that much pain and walked out with none. I couldn't believe it. Well, I was sold on the harmonic egg. I don't give a fuck what it's doing. Whatever that was, sign me up and I am in. We drove home and Harrison and I were wide awake and it was 1030 at night and we're looking at each other and he goes, I'm starving. <laughs> and we laughed, but we had all this energy. I go, are you like awake? He goes, yes. And we hadn't had any caffeine or anything, but we got home and we raided the refrigerator and I never have food. I had like dips, you know, like hummus and crackers and dips and so we sit there and we have dip and it was just a real amazing thing to me and so Harrison had to go back to Boone and leaves me and at this point this other rock person uh, this female rock person in Asheville we had been talking since January and now she was going to leave the job she'd been working on and had finally made a decision to come work with me. I had around, I think at that point, around 17 jobs on my schedule. And I think that she had gotten to a place where she was going to wait until I had such an abundance of work that she felt safe to leave her full-time job and come work. Well, in that, before she made that decision, we went and met with a friend of mine's husband. And he's a business guy, and I really admire him. And he reminds me of Jerry Seinfeld. He's hilarious. And he's kind of a big player here in Asheville, and he's got a big company. And he's uh, in kind of the headhunter world. But he, I just really trust his judgment, and I trust the things that he's gone through. So I said, hey... Would you talk to us? Because if we're going to go into a situation together, we're both two independent people who've worked for ourselves for many, many years. And if we're going to do this, I want to do it in a manner which is not like boss and employee. It'll be more like an equal partnership. But I don't want to do a bunch of legal stuff if it if it's not going to work out, like, I just want to know, like, what's the best road to take? And I feel like, you know, my decisions around that stuff, I don't feel like I'm as capable as someone like him because I just, I, I'm so impatient and I get so frustrated because I want people just to get on board and just do it and not have to talk about it. You know, it's exhausting. I think after all this many years, you know, it's just like you get to a point where you just want somebody to show up and just help and just know what to do and just know how to do it and not have to constantly talk about it and train and teach and watch. So we go over and we have dinner with my friend and her husband and me and this other person, and we're sitting on their deck and talking, and he listens. He listens very closely to everything we talk about. 
we talk about what kind of scenario, like how is this going to play out? Like should we should we turn it into a full-fledged landscape company? Should we only do stone? Should we only make objects? Should we, should we, should we, should we, should we, and blah, 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 blah. And finally, you know what? He shakes his head and he goes, you know what? Y'all go work together. He said, don't sign anything. Don't make any kind of deal. He goes, go work together for six months and see what happens. And I thought that was the best advice. And so he said, then, you know, you'll know. You'll know if it feels right, if it's working, and then go from there as far as like, you know, turning it into any kind of business or LLC, any of that stuff. So I was like, okay, that sounds good to me. And so she came on board and up to Doggett Mountain and helped me finish up that job and build a fireplace. It was August and it was it was brutally hot and I had many and I'd finally situated many in a playpen and barricaded her with a bunch of chairs and put a fan on her. And she was nervous, but she had kind of settled into that situation. And I felt really bad because I didn't have air conditioning at my house. And uh, I knew she was hot, you know, and she was having skin issues. And so I thought, oh, my God, you know, I got to get this dog under control and poor little thing. And so I ended up taking her to... Dr. Laurel in Asheville, who's kind of like a holistic veterinarian psychic, like, and I had met her years ago. Uh, she had sort of gone out with a friend of mine, and, and and so I, I felt like you know she's really cool, and I know that she knows her stuff, and I'm just going to take Minnie to her. And so with the pandemic, I had to meet him in the parking lot, and. Her assistant came out and got many, and Dr. Laurel came out and talked to me, and it was good to see her. She's a very kind soul. She's a very in-tune person. I like her, and I trust her, and so she took many in, and so she called me on the phone, and I'm sitting in the truck, and she calls me, and she starts telling me kind of what many was thinking, and I'm like thinking, okay, good. You know, this kind of stuff makes me laugh, but I don't discount any of it. I don't know. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on, you know, energetically, dimensionally, we don't know. If you know, then come forth. If you know, then you come forth and why don't you be the Jesus on the earth and talk about it? But nobody knows. So I just kind of try to remain open. And so she calls and says, you know, many trust you 100%. And I said, well, good, you know, and I kind of laughed. But, and then she said, I want you to write all this down. And I, so I start writing, and she says, I'm going to ask her what she wants to eat. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, really? And so we narrow it down, and we go through all these proteins. And so she gives me the list in order what Minnie wants, because I couldn't hardly get her to eat. And come to find out, Minnie was allergic to chicken. And that was what was making her skin crawl and itch. And, you know, rice, chicken. I was give, I was cooking for her. So it turns out, you know, uh, turkey becomes number one. And I'm laughing. You know, so she gives me this list. And I said, okay, and told me what to get, blah, blah. And I do it. And thank goodness I was able to get Minnie's situation under control. I think also being from the north and coming to the south in the humidity and 
allergies. It's just different. And I think this poor little dog had been raised inside of a house where there wasn't a lot of like outdoor elements, you know. And so I think she was having a reaction probably to anything. I mean, a flea. And I had her on the treatments and all that kind of stuff. But I just think she was really having a response to that. So I've I was grateful to Dr. Laurel that she kind of got me on track with this little dog. And um, and that was a good thing. So with the new person on board, uh, we began to work together. And it was a very interesting time because we didn't have a whole lot of conversation. We could get, we could get to a point, but there was never a real close connection and I really was trying I really wanted to connect with this person but I felt like there was a, a veneer or a wall or or something and maybe maybe she felt unsafe around me I'm not sure um, but we worked pretty good together and we had to do a job for this woman and the lady came out and she reminded me of like um a cross of like Diane Keaton and Laura Dern. And she comes to the door and she has these big zany kind of glasses and she's really funny and she's a psychotherapist. And she was needing a staircase, a stone staircase built to go down beside her townhouse condo down to the back because this whole pandemic, see, has brought on all this new uh experiences for people especially self-employed people and she had been i guess she had an office somewhere had to close the office bring it home so a lot of these therapists and people were having to now work out of home offices because they couldn't go to an office and she needed uh, better accessibility down to the back so that people could come down through there and all that so uh I met with her, you know, we both met with her and she was really, really nice and I really liked her. And so we we figured out a plan and she said yes to the price. And so uh, me and this other person, we go and get all these stones and we've got the trucks and we're coming in and we're bringing them and it's heavy. And it's going to be a pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty steep, but we end up working there and and I noticed that the person that was working with me, she would sort of get in a zone and sort of disappear. And I and I get that because I disappear when I'm in my zone. But it's kind of hard when you're trying to, you know, coordinate and work together. Uh, if one slips away, then the other's kind of still over there. So I don't know. It was very, it was a challenge for me. And she had kind of gotten on this little wall area and I was, you know, unloading and bringing the steps down. And so I would get a little frustrated and I don't know, I think sometimes maybe I'm just too selfish, you know, maybe I'm just too, um, I'm too controlling. I don't know. I, I, I try not to judge myself so harshly, but I also was trained in those early, early, early days to look at my part, you know, to constantly look at what I'm doing to either create harmony or to create misery. And am I doing something to create, you know, 
this non-connection with this person, but I wanted to connect. I really did. And, you know, we finished the job. It was successful. And during this time, I had really started talking to this therapy lady because she was so cool and funny. And she would come out back and we would laugh and have these conversations. And um, she was, I think she was from Minnesota or somewhere. But, you know, she talked about how people were so depressed and the pandemic was just pushing people over the edge. And so I think therapists were starting to like max out with their work. And, and I, you know, and I said, well, I get it because I'm maxing out with my work. It's like people are, people are at home and they're stuck and they're saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's build a patio or let's do this because they don't, they were trying to do their own home do it yourself, but then they run into trouble and then they call me or they call somebody in the field, you know. So the next job that calls us up is a couple of women and it's a couple and they're therapist. And it's like, okay, here's some more therapy people. And they want this like really big water feature. And so I came over and I looked at the area and, you know, it was going to be a pretty big project and so you know they had gotten I think they had gotten a couple of quotes I'm not sure but you know you try to read people you try to understand people or at least I do because I want to connect to them on a on a level where I can get into what they really want I want to please and I want people to be happy with the work I do so I really try to tune in and tap into who they are and so they were a couple. They'd been together a long time. They had a cute dog. And uh, one lady, she was a lot more serious than the other lady. And, and I could tell that she was kind of an impatient person. And she didn't seem super happy. She seemed a little bit angry. And I don't know. I could be judging. But that was what I felt. And... uh and so she was sort of stern with me about some of her questions and I was I had to get stern about my answers because I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. After this many years, I know what I'm doing. I don't know how more clear I can say that. But I get so tired of the explanations and I know people just want to understand but there's all that um, all that skepticism and I'm like why the fuck do y'all call me through a referral who says she does a great job like you know they get a referral from somebody that goes on and on and on and rave reviews about the work and me and all that well then when they get a hold of me they start picking and maybe i'm just venting but i just i get so worn out with it that sometimes i sort of shut down and but I know how to reel it in, and I know how to stand there, and I know how to listen, and I know how to take it. And then I try to respond in a way that is kind and open and loving and generous. And I really try to keep that on spot and not, you know, let my 
truth, which is I don't fucking really want to do this job, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know, because sometimes that's how I feel. But anyway, we ended up, we got, you know, we, we, we got a deal going and we were going to start the project. So my nephew, Harrison, was going to come back from Boone and then his friend, Joey, who had worked with me about four years before down in Brevard, uh, we had done a show and he had helped me make objects, but he had never worked with me on a project out at someone's house. So they come along and so we mark this thing out and we start digging and it's hot. It's very hot. And so it's it's the female rock person, it's Joey, and it's Harrison, and so we're working and digging and digging and working, and it's hot, and it's miserable, and the homeowners will come out, and they're nice, and they're like, oh, we've got some drinks for y'all, or some cookies, or whatever, and it's all going along, and we work, and so I had coined the phrase, and I don't—I guess it came from way back, but it was "ladies of the '80s," because the women were sort of reminded me of, you know, the gay women back in the day at some of the bars and stuff. And so I had just sort of, just being funny, we would all say that "ladies of the '80s." And so during this job, you know, this is starting to happen, and it was actually, you know. It was it was looking great and but there was a, still a disconnect with me and the female rock person, the boys and I say boys they're not boys they're like 23, 22 at that time and so but they still seem real young to me and it's my nephew who is like a boy to me always but um so you know we're kind of going through this and. I could tell that one of the women, she just didn't seem like a happy person. And it didn't matter what was going on. There was always these questions and always this doubt. And I just would try to have to just overlook it. And so, you know, we're carrying on. We're doing this project. And things were just kind of moving along. Well, I had started on this rowing machine. And I had actually had a friend that came one day that kind of wanted to work with me and she had called me up out of the blue and was like hey I you know I'm not teaching because school teachers couldn't teach and she was a I think a professor to college but she was really fit I had met her at yoga years ago and she's like just let me come work with you I really need to do something I'm going crazy and I'm like are you sure now this is before the female rock worker had come with me but the day after I got this rowing machine my friend comes to my house and is going to go to work with me and walks through my door and says oh my god is that your rowing machine I go yeah and she goes I was a rower and I go, what? She goes, I was a professional rower. I don't know if she was professional, but I know she rowed. And I go, are you kidding? She goes, no. And I go, well, I don't even know how to use it. I said, I, I, I've kind of got on it, but I'm not sure that I'm doing the right form. Well, she gets on that thing and she shows me the absolute correct form. And I'm so grateful and so she shows me, you know, about the extension and the kick and she gets me all, you know, and I'm so happy that she came along to show me this because I was doing it wrong. And, you know, anything that you're going to do, whether it's yoga or, or something like this or 
form is very important. And I was using the wrong form on this, and I probably would have hurt myself. But so she goes to work with me, and we had to do a staircase for this couple. And they had moved here from Hollywood, Hollywood, California, like for real, okay? The man had been a still photographer in Hollywood, and his wife had been a hairdresser in Hollywood. And what an interesting, fun couple they were. And she was just super nice, and they were both very very interesting, cool people. I really liked working with them. And it was not a huge, big project. And I took my friend with me, and she worked a day and was like, whoa. And it was exhausting for her. And she's very fit. She's a cyclist. She does yoga. But, you know, when you're doing this kind of stuff, this is a totally different ball game because you're using muscles you've never used. It's very heavy. It's very straining. And if you don't have that experience it can really hurt you and I didn't want her to get hurt but she helped me out that day and then uh it was like the universe dropped her into my life to show me how to use that rowing machine and so we were working over at that house and and so we got the job done and so the rower was going to be my new thing and I put it in front of this TV because I'd finally gotten a TV. I didn't have a TV almost for a year and I finally got a TV and the sound bar and all that, you know, and and I was I thought, well, I'll just watch these rowing videos and I'll row to the video. Well, that was pretty boring because it's like you're just rowing and you're looking at the screen and you're in the water on the screen and it's like, okay, and it's pretty and there's music, but it was like, eh. So I kind of start shifting and I try music. Well, music's not working either. Like I just, I don't know, do I just do this with nothing? And and finally I hit upon a couple of YouTube uh kind of, you know, self-help people, and I find this, like, Dr. Shafali, this Indian woman, you know, her name is Shafali Salisbury or something like that, and she's gorgeous. Maybe that was why I hit on it, because she's so good-looking, but she had a lot to say, and she had written a book called A Radical Awakening, You know, it's about turning your pain into power and embracing your truth and live free and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, she's cool. I'm going to listen to her. And I start listening to her, and I really resonated with this woman. She was talking a language in a way that I could really, really understand her. And she had been in a marriage for a lot of years and had hit the wall and I think a lot of women go through this where and I'm sure men too but you know you hit that wall and you're like is this it who am I you know you just start questioning because it's like you know we go through these routines and I think you know a lot of people I would say majority of our people on the planet are heterosexual and they have kids And a lot of times the kids are their distraction until the kids leave home and then they're left holding the bag of their psyche. And when you don't have kids, then you've always held the bag of your psyche if you're willing to look at it. And 
I have always been looking at it because I just want to be happy. I just want to live in a world that I, I can feel pleasure and freedom and freedom to be. And it's simple. It's not, I've never been like a very materialistic person. I mean, I would love quality things and I like vehicles and I like, you know, I like nice things and I like travel and there's a lot of stuff that if I could do, I'm sure would take money, but I'm not transfixed on it. I'm more about the human experience. And when I would be rowing, I decided that I was going to write down the, the minutes and the calories burned and the time that I rode. And I started at one minute and literally I flash back to when I was living out in Madison County when I said, Jill, just walk 10 steps, no more, no less, because I felt like I was sort of, you know, out of shape. And I wasn't like real, real bad out of shape, but I had not been doing my yoga. I had not been doing, you know, anything cardiovascular. So I felt like I needed to kind of start slow. And so my friend, um, the rower, uh, French teacher, professor, had got me on track with this rowing machine. So I felt confident. And it began to strengthen my core. And this was exciting to me because... The yoga that I'd been practicing all those years, it really, really didn't uh, strengthen my core and probably because I didn't know how to engage it. I felt like I knew how to engage it when I was working because I, I knew that the strength when I'm moving things has to come from somewhere. And I think it does come from your core. But this was a very um, focused exercise with this rower because I could really tap into that core strength. So as I'm watching these videos and listening to this Indian woman talk, I'm working on my core, I'm working on my legs, and I'm starting to get into this rowing machine, and this is a good thing. And so that became a part of my routine. And we finished the job with the ladies of the 80s and you know, I don't know. Are they happy? Are they not? They seem happy. And, you know, they sent some nighttime pictures. And so, but the day I was leaving their place, it was nighttime and we had packed up and cleaned up. And I was trying to tell one of the ladies the instructions. And it was real chaotic because they had had their grandkids come over there. And these women were, you know, they were probably maybe in their 70s late 60s, 70s, I'm not sure, but they had uh, some grandkids and a daughter, and so they were, um, there was a lot of chaos going on, a lot of kids running around, and I was trying to focus with this one, one of the homeowners, and I'm like, look, you know, I, I'm going to have to go, but I need to leave you a list here, and I need to leave you instructions on what to do. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay, and, and, and the other lady came out, and she was angry, and I could tell, and she kept telling the other lady that the dinner was ready and it was going to get cold. And she was really upset. And it was dark. And I had been there since like 9 o'clock that morning. And I was very tired. And, I, you know, this was a huge thing. And I was just very tired. And I wanted to go home. And 
and I didn't have a whole lot left in me to explain anything. And so the woman was sort of halfway listening and I wrote it down. This is what you need to do and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I got to go. And they gave me the check. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the other lady barely said bye because she's mad because her dinner's cold in the house. And I'm like, okay, bye, and I'm out of here. So I let that go, and now we're going to move on to the next thing. And the next project is going to be for some friends of these ladies. And they're like ladies of the 80s. And I'm like, okay, well, this is cool, you know. And and these women are, are super nice, and they're from California, and they were so fun. So I really liked them. Uh, they just seemed very open and generous and open to ideas and I knew that they I knew that they knew what they wanted and um, so we go and and the the workmate the the person working with me is, is so very very quiet and doesn't say much at all and we had you know we were wearing our mask everybody you know and and to to throw that in there everybody's always wearing mask and um, so you know there we are and we're kind of talking and we strike up this deal and the person who had given my name to these women uh, was a real estate agent who I had a, a uh, attraction to for many, many years. And this person, their real estate agent, she had been my server at Carabas back in the year 2000, actually December 28, 1999, when Elizabeth and I had moved from Atlanta and closed on our house, and it was as if she shot a torched arrow through my solar plexus when she looked at me, and I'm like, what in the world? Well, through these years, this person had always sort of been around and I knew of her she knew of me and then around you know 2007 uh, Bell share we had gotten involved and we had a, a short but powerful experience together and that's the only way I know how to put it and it took me down to a place that I didn't know if I would come out of and recover and I did. I've spoken about it some, but here we are, me and this workmate, and we're at this new job, the new ladies of the 80s, and they've got this creek, and we're talking one day, and out of the blue, she says, I was at a party this weekend, and I saw blah, 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 this person this real estate agent who had sold these two ladies of the 80s their house. And I'm like, oh, really? Now, I don't know what the rumor mill of the gay women world of Asheville, I don't know who knows what about anything, and I don't really care because I was gone for so long. I'm not part of that group. I've never been part of a group like that. I just sort of like keep to myself and... My relationships are usually very private, and I just don't I just don't socialize that much with groups of women or gay women. I just never really have. It was never really my M.O. And so, but she goes on to tell me that she'd gone to a party and that this person and her love mate had broken up. 
And I go, really? Oh, I don't believe it. Because that couple I knew had been together, you know, probably six years or so. And I think they seemed very, very happy. And they were traveling the world. And they were having the life of Riley. And I'm like, I don't believe you. She goes, no, I think they broke up. I'm like, eh, I don't believe it. I just couldn't take it in. I didn't believe it. You know, and I think, you know, with Facebook and social media and all that kind of stuff, you know, you see these people on there and you watch how it looks like they have like this larger than life life. And I was always thinking like, wow, look how lucky people are to be able to travel and to go do all these things. And it just looks like everything's going great for them. And you know, and I, I felt a little sadness for her because I felt like if it did end, and I hope she's okay, you know, my heart was always connected to her. My heart always felt for her because being in recovery and from one person to another in recovery, there's always a bond and it doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter if that person has walked all over me in life. If if we have that bond, I can forgive because I have done the same. You know, it's that whole whatever, cast the first stone, blobbity, I don't even know the saying, but it's sort of like, I know that I have done a lot of things and I've hurt a lot of people along the way in my life, not knowing you know, uh, half the time I don't even know when I'm hurting somebody. I, it's not an intentional thing. But I felt for her and I was worried about her and I, I was hoping that she was okay. But it's not my place to reach out or to, you know, check up on people. Everybody's on their journey. Everybody's got their stuff. And so, you know, we start this work and it was uh, like a creek bank that they wanted to sort of stone like a culvert area. And it was going to be a pretty intense job and stuff. And so one day I got to the job site and the women, the ladies of the 80s, the new ladies, they come out on their balcony and they said, hey, Jill, we've got some truffles, some chocolate truffles here that so-and-so, the real estate agent, brought by and wanted to make sure that you had some of these. And I said, oh, really? And they go, yeah, well, come down. And they come down and they bring this little box of truffles. And they were like, yeah, she was very adamant about making sure that you get one of these here. And they're putting them in my face, like eat them. You know, it's kind of morning. And I'm like, I don't really want to eat that right now. But they were kind of insistent. So I eat a truffle, and I'm like, mm, that's good, you know, and it was, it was very good, and I have to admit, it made me happy, made me real happy that that real estate agent sent me those truffles, because, you know, there's that little part of me that was still in this, like, dream-like state about that person, you know, I always had a connection to her, and through all the things we had gone through, I always felt very, very connected, and I don't know if it's a past life thing, 
I don't know if it's a twin flame. I've read all the metaphysics about these kind of connections, but it's on such a deep level that I can't even hardly talk about it. It's on a level that I cannot explain. There are synchronicities and coincidences and dreams and visions and something connected with this person for all these years that doesn't make sense to me. As many times as I have tried to block it out and chop it off and take a imaginary machete and cut the cord with this person, it never goes away. There's always a psychic connection to this woman who I met when she was very young and now was in her 40s. And I had not seen her and I did not tell her that I had moved back to Asheville. But she was constantly, she had constantly through the years uh, referred me for jobs. And I was truly grateful and I would usually thank her in appreciation for those referrals because you know, word of mouth is so important. And so I went home that evening with the other truffles and I thought about it and I thought, what would happen if I ever met her, saw her? Because I hadn't seen her in so long. And so I went to bed that night thinking about that. And then I thought, Jill, don't even go down that road. Hammered is recorded and produced in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. It's narrated by Jill Haney, produced by Maggie Briggs and Jill Haney, and with sound design, editing, and music by Alexander Rodriguez. Our beautiful artwork was created by Lauren Caddick, and we'd like to send a special thanks out there to Minnie and Robin. You can check out our website, podcasthammered.com, and follow us on social media for updates. <laughs>